Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Heart and Hustle podcast. I'm Angelica Yard. And I'm Charisma O'Keefe. And we are here every week talking to you about entrepreneurship, business, and teaching you how to boss so hard in the current climate that we are in. We have been recording for many a years, and we love talking to you and interviewing awesome people um, about what they do and what they do in business. So, yeah, we love it. Yes, we love this it here. week. We're continuing on by continuing to offer you some insights, especially for those of you who are in the freelance world, our um, economic situation here in the Americas, the United States of, is a little stressful. So I know a lot of people are starting their side hustle situations Mm -hmm. and picking up extra contracts outside of their nine to fives. And so we're going to continue to try to give some more insights and thoughts for those of you who are like brand new. And even those of you who are a little tenured to refresh and maybe think of something that maybe you haven't thought of to yeah, better 100%. strategize. I think a lot of people when they first start like a side business and they first start working with clients, it, it often happens kind of, some, not always, but sometimes it happens like a bit organically and it's not as planned out. Um, and then they kind of need to backtrack a bit and be like, wait, how do I do this efficiently? Um, or a lot of people just kind of, they maybe did plan it, but they, that's just not a, a lot of people, the focus is getting clients, right? So it's like, how do you market? How do you do this? How do you get more clients, get more clients, get more clients? That is really the narrative that we see like on social media. Uh, that's the narrative we see with business coaches, but it's, yes, we want more clients, but we also want to make sure we're getting the right clients. So it is so important to know how to interview a potential client before onboarding them, making sure that they're a good fit uh, before you start working together. Yep. And as per usual, as we are continuing this series, we'll obviously have more time later in the year to talk about things. Um, feel free to hit us up on Instagram. We're a Heart Hustle podcast. You can send us some DMs about some topics that you would like us to cover and some other business-related items. Awesome. All right. So diving in, how to interview a potential client. So, you know, this is really going to be a good episode for those of you, like we said, who are working in freelance. Maybe you own a business already. Maybe you're just trying to increase the client load that you already have, but you want to make sure that the people you're bringing on already kind of fit with, uh, you know, they're a good fit for your business. Cause again, as we take on more work, we want to make sure that like that work is smart for us and makes sense for us. Right. So that's kind of what, you know, is going to be who this is, uh, positioned for. So really you want to prep beforehand. So preparation is key. It makes a massive difference. So when you're going to, you know, work with a new client, you want to know like, what is their business? What industry are they in? How long have they been in business? How large is their business or how small is their business? Um, Who is their key demographic? You want any relevant information that, you know, is going to help you with the process. Another big one is like, where are they licensed? Are they only licensed where you are? Is this an international? business, which is something that, you know, I've been dealing with a little bit more now, like businesses that are in two states or businesses that are in two countries. Like, what does that look like for you on your end? What does that look like for them on their end? So finding out any information that you can find out ahead of time about the business and how it operates is going to be really important. Yeah. If you're a local, um, if you're a local business, try to have a subscription to your local business journal. If they're like a medium sized when I say small, I mean, it's still a small business in terms of numbers, but a lot of times they're a little bit larger than your one or two person shop. Um, that's another great way to get insights to what's going on with that business, particularly, like I said, 
medium-sized smaller businesses um because the small business requirements are like very high for most people but you can still have a ton of employees if you live especially in the south and still technically be a small business um but a lot of times I like to do my my research via the business journal for the locals just to see how the past couple of years have been, especially if they're very in tune to media and getting PR. You can really get an idea and a sense of how their financial situation is as well, how their CEO, like are they getting awards, like that type of stuff. Um, your, your local business journal is really good at, at reporting on that information. Yes, 100%. So your next step is going to be establishing clear objectives. So What this means is like, what exactly are they looking for? Why are they trying to hire you? Are they looking for a specific project? Is this going to be like an ongoing collaboration? Do they need to bring somebody in for like a role that they're missing? And this is going to be like, you know, a year long thing? Or is this like kind of more of a quick fix that you're coming in and doing something specific? So obviously, like, depending on what you offer, right? Like it's, you need to find where it fits into your services. But a lot of times when you're kind of working in this realm, a lot of things are a bit like custom. So you have kind of like, okay, these are what I do, but you're going to kind of need to tweak that a bit to each client. So you want to really make sure what are they looking for and and can you provide that? Are you the right person to provide that? Because they might be looking for, you know, somebody to do their social media marketing, but what they're looking for, what their objectives are, it might not actually, maybe that's what you do, but it's just not really like the right fit for you. Maybe the type of campaign that they're trying to run is just not in your wheelhouse or maybe isn't even something that you want to do. Maybe you want to pass it on to someone else or maybe you want to uh, work with other people to do it, but you want to make sure that you can hire those right people ahead of time. So it's important to know what the objective is before you're like, yes, let's go. Let's be gung-ho about this. Yeah, exactly. And you want to also understand what it is that you can bring to the table even prior to like having a meeting so you should have a clear understanding of what your services are and how they can help uh create results but also in a way where it makes sense so if you are looking to start doing your interview prep starting to like do your pitch get all your pitch deck information together and you're starting to see that there isn't a lot of overlap and there's not a lot of alignment I think a lot of times when you're starting out, you're just like, any money, any client is good. We'll make it work. Oh, I'll make something up. I'll be yes, I can find supposed to work on it. I am a fan of fake it till you make it. However, <laughs> within rhyme or reason and understanding that sometimes faking it till you make it can cost you more than it would be. So if you are finding a lot of misalignment in what you're trying to do with certain clients, I would just pull back and see if there's someone else in your network that can take it and maybe you can come on to offer the specific part that you do so that way you're not managing the project and having to have up service all these expectations because the reality is when you're starting out you don't have like time is currency and you don't have that kind of time to be doing that type of project management very early on in your freelance career so you really want to get with somebody maybe who owns a bigger agency who can help cover all the things with the caveat of like hey i'm passing this lead on to you but you have to hire me to do x like i can't don't hire anybody else to do it so I think that's another thing to think about when you're trying to establish objectives because there is a lot of back and forth on what you think the client and also know what the client says they need is not what they need. You know what they need. Right. <laughs> so they may tell you what their situation is, is what all you need to know. You take the situation and you assess what the needs are because a lot of clients sometimes don't even know that they need things because they've never heard of it, didn't understand that there were easier way to do things, etc. 
you know what they need. So again, if you're in the situation where you're feeling like I can't even find a prescription for all of the issues that you're having, it's time to, to pass it on to somebody else. Yeah, especially, yeah, especially in the beginning, because you don't want to take on someone, fake it till you make it, and then they have a bad experience. Like that's, you know, it's so important to have those referrals and that word of mouth in the beginning um, and forever, really. But yeah, it's like, you, like, like you said, fake it till you make it can be good, but it also cannot be depending on how much you are faking it. You don't want to fake it too much. <laughs> so the next step would be crafting thoughtful questions. Obviously, this one should kind of be a no-brainer, like you're interviewing a potential client. So anytime you're interviewing someone, you're going to want to be asking them questions, right? Um, so you're, again, asking questions to kind of gain insight into what their needs are. <clears throat> you want to know kind of what their expectations are as far as like timelines. You want to know about their budget. You want to know the details of what they're looking for. So you're crafting out these questions, again, specific to them and their business and their needs. And again, where that overlaps with your service. So you're not going to ask every single client you sit down with the exact same questions. And if you are brand new to, again, doing this work, you don't have a set of client questionnaire question, uh, questionnaire questions, you can do your Googles, Google your industry, Google their industry, a potential client in their, uh, interview questionnaire, and somebody has written about it, somebody's worked it up, or you can go to our good friend, the girlies, the AI girlies all have that information. So you can pull up your chappy tea, your beard, like whatever it is that you're using um, to go get those questions answered because there's no reason why you should be stressed out and trying to figure out all of this from scratch. Like truly use a blueprint that's already been started, adjust it to your needs as you need it, as you see fit with the client. But don't don't be stressing about, like I've never asked anyone a question before. Like what question should I ask the internet? has the answers already don't lose sleep over it they really do the google's is so great um <laughs> some of the some of the ai as well can be helpful again you want to take it with a grain of salt because you know they're they're not a human so you don't want to just like copy and paste everything but it can be a good place to kind of get started and then you know craft more uh specific stuff from there um so the next step would be presenting your expertise so this is where you really want to showcase like what you are good at, what you offer, what you do. You want to discuss like your relative experience, uh, maybe some projects that are similar to what they're looking for. If they're like, hey, you know, I want to run a project like this and these are the results I'm looking for. And you're like, well, hey, I did a project like this for this company and these are the results that I got. So kind of showing how your skills align with their needs. This is where you want to take the time to do that. Yeah, this is the time when you have the opportunity to really close the sale like this is the part where people make up their minds this is the part that is important this is the part where you should be having the most attention to detail and i think a lot of times people stress out or freak out and they don't they rush through their presentation this is the part where you take your time and really go through all of the benefits that you've done on other projects and what other um clients you've worked with and how you've improved always again yes show the work show what you've done but also offer up what the benefits were again of working with you why should i be working with you and not your competitor or your friend or whoever you know what i mean like what is it about you that makes it worthwhile what is it that you have if you have a very organized systems like that's something that i always boast about things that i have like i have a, the systems of a corporation for the price of less like add that in like make sure people know that like put in all that information so people know and can understand what they're going to get from you up front versus again 
booking the client and then they come up with all of these other questions that are necessary and start giving you anxiety and then you're like this was not a good fit this is where you really sell them on what you are and what you're doing so i think this is the time to really dig deep into your deep cuts yes. get as detailed as you need to do and get all your things together that also after we're done with this piece this is also critical like this next portion that we're going to talk about and i cannot stress this enough because a lot of people are very afraid to talk about money let me tell you friends <laughs> if you don't talk about money up front you're gonna be disappointed afterwards every single time every single time so it's like prepare yourself have conversations you can um actually act out having these presentations with other people like i'm really big fan of having just like mock interviews with people in your life whether that's your partner whether that's your friend whether that's another like person associate that's out there in the, in the industry that you can want to piggyback off of like this is the portion where if you're nervous about I would recommend scripting and trying to like re- work with people have a, a scene partner that you can work with but it's critical and that is discussing your budget and your payment terms <laughs> yeah I think people you're, like I feel like a lot of people want to wait and like not they're like oh let's, like let's do it in the follow-up yes and then yeah and I'm like no, because the the whole point we're doing this at the end of the day is money, right? Like, I'm not saying that, like, you don't love your job and I'm not saying you're not passionate about what you do. And I know that as entrepreneurs and as artists, like, we often, like, we really, like, love to romanticize that part of it. And and I, I love that. Like, I love that. I think it's awesome that so many of us get to do something that actually takes skills that we have enjoyed developing and that we're proud of and that we love our work. Like that's, that's a beautiful thing to love your work, but it is work, right? At the end of the day, if, if I was not getting paid to consult, if I was not getting paid to do these things, I wouldn't be doing them. I would be reading books y'all and maybe writing them, but your utility company does not want a cute picture of your work. You know what I mean? Like they want money. (laughs) Right. Right. So it's like at the end of the day, like this is your business. And if you don't stand on business, no one is going to stand on business for you. So that's a big thing. I think that like people just kind of think that part will solve itself or they're just like afraid to ask for it. Like You're doing a service. You deserve money, right? And if you start out that way, you're going to cheapen your own brand and you're not going to be able to find success because people are going to start expecting, oh, I expect that this person, like I've heard that this is, you know, they always take this very, 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 very low undervalued price. And that's what they're going to start kind of associating with your brand and and wanting to pay you. So it's really important to, to you know, take money for like what you've earned. You know what I mean? Like you've earned it. You've done the work. Um, and again, like what happens, especially with some of these larger projects is even if you are clear in the beginning, you know, sometimes little things can come up. I think of it kind of like when someone's renovating a house, right? Like you can sit here and be like, well, we're going to do the A project, A project B and project C, and it's going to be about this amount, right? But sometimes other things come up while you're renovating the house. And it's like, wow, project B went a little differently than we thought. So we're really going to need to add on, you know, one, two, and three now. And so when those additions come on, I think it's important to, to let people know ahead of time well, extra wood would be this and extra, you know, time would be this. And if you want the, you know, whatever paint, it's going to be this or whatever it is. So that's what I'm, it's the same thing, like with you working, you know, 
on someone else's business, you don't 100% know until you get in there, right? They, they might be telling you it's one way and things might be a little bit different than what they said. Again, that's why we try to have these conversations. We try to have that clarity up front, but a lot of times it's different when you get into the bulk of that work. And they might decide a lot of times it's, it's uh, common for people to throw on different services. Oh, hey, actually, you know, I do want that thing we discussed earlier, but I said I didn't want, but I do want it now okay, well, it is still that same. It's going to be that, that price that, you know, that additional price that they had said in the beginning, maybe they wanted to shave it off because they were trying to save some money. And then they realized they actually do need that thing. They need to pay for it. Right. So don't let people <laughs> like be clear about what the budget is and what it entails and, and what specifically it covers because people will try to throw in little things all the time. A great example of this would be like with wedding photography, People will say, oh, I don't want to do eight hours. I don't want a second photographer. Like, I don't want, um, you know, a wedding album. I want to just keep it bare bones. Let's do six hours, just coverage. That's it. Okay, great. They sign the contract. That's what's in there. A few days before the wedding or even like a few weeks, oh, I want a second photographer. Okay, great. This is how much that costs, right? The day of, sometimes they'll say, oh, I want an additional two hours now. This has happened a lot to me on the day of. Uh, sometimes I've done it and sometimes I have not because I had other plans because they did not originally book that. And that's just how that goes, right? Uh, a lot of times on the back end, oh, I want an album. Okay, great. These are the album prices that I sent you before. I'll go ahead and resend you those prices, you know? So make sure that people aren't like, because again, when you're when you're giving good service, people are going to be comfortable and that, that's good. You want them to be. But sometimes I think that they mistake like you being nice or whatever for like, oh, let's just throw these things. No, no. no. These are the, this is the budget. This is the price of things. This is how that's going to go. Um, and on their side, like you want to also ask them and make sure that you're clear with like what their budget is, right? Because they have one. And a lot of times businesses will try to act like coy, like, I don't really know. Or sometimes they don't know, right? Like sometimes they might not actually know, like, how much do I actually have to spend for this? So you need to gently push them and be like, Hey, we really do need to have a budget. You know, we need to know what those budget constraints are. Like we need to discuss those rates. We need to discuss payment terms. All of that needs to be done up front. And I definitely, I would suggest that you have a situation where you have payments that are supposed to be made and when they're not made, then you don't do that work. That is the way that I would do it. Um, again, I've been doing this a long time. There's a reason that I'm saying it. And even just recently, um, I was supposed to get a payment like right before the holidays that did not come through. And guess what? I stopped work on that project until the money started coming through. And I reworked the financial plan with her, but I let her know I will actually not be starting. Like you can break, break this payment down into smaller increments. Absolutely. But I will not be restarting the work until that full payment that was supposed to be in is in. So don't, don't put your, cause, cause unfortunately there are times where people can leave projects and, and things like that. So you don't want to put yourself in a position where you're doing all the work and then they stop paying and then you're out of luck. Yeah. Have a change order process, have a cancellation clause, have your billing and your payment terms. You do not have to do a net ID. Um, I don't know in what world we decided that that was going to be a standard, an X60. I barely will allow anyone to do a net 30. 
I'm on my money and I want it now. <laughs> like I just, I don't. And bigger companies or companies who, who say, oh, other old bigger companies don't do that. That is simply not true. I've worked with very large brands. They pay me when they, when I ask them to. I'm not waiting a month for my money. I don't wait two months for my money. I, I want my money, I want it now. Uh, getting payments up front, there are people who are saying, oh, bigger companies don't do that. That's also a, another lie. Don't let people who have established themselves to allow themselves to receive less set the standards for you when you're starting out understanding if you're struggling maybe you do have a client that has a little bit of a net 30 okay fine like charisma said that's the case the work starts when i get the payment (laughs) that's fine (laughs) you can pay me whatever you want but i will not be working until i receive the payment like i'm not gonna start the work up front the work starts when the check is received yep so typically nine times out of ten a client I don't. Like I do not work until I'm paid. I'm sorry. They I'm just want like, to work. At the end of the day, <laughs> yeah. Side contract is not money to me. I need the money in the bank. I needed cash in my wallet. I need cash in my hand. Again, your utility company does not want a promise. They don't care about your signed contract. They will not let you right. stay in your home because you have a couple of signed contracts. Like that's not what's going to happen. We're going to put you out. So you need the cash. Don't do any labor until you receive the payment. I've seen that you've so asked for. many horror stories and like you know, especially when it's things like um, you know service that you can't like get back you know what I mean so it's just like if the service is done and then that person is not paid and I'm just like yeah I don't to me I'm like I'm not starting work until like my I get my payment like it's just not you know and you know with like vendors that do like day of gigs which like a lot of like if you're doing freelance stuff like that can be a popular thing is doing you know stuff that is like day of so you could be a DJ you could be a florist things like that you should have your payment before you get to the venue. But if you don't, you should have it at that venue. But I would like it beforehand because if it's a check, like if it's a personal check or something like that, I want to make sure that it clears. You know, nowadays there's a lot more, unfortunately, like this is the reality. There's a lot more scams. There's people who've learned how to use Photoshop to make like fake checks or like they'll just use a regular check and I guess like stop payment on it. There are people that will like put money into your account through like whatever, you know, Venmo or whatever else, but then like later take it out, like dispute it. So I like to be paid beforehand and make sure that that payment is in and it is cleared and it is good before I'm showing up and doing a service or before I'm starting work on a service. Cause it's just, it's just not worth it. And if like, the thing is, is if somebody's serious about the project and they want to, to actually get the work done then they're not going to have a problem with it, right? It's like if they really are serious about the project, then they're going to stick to whatever the payment plan is um, unless something, like unless an emergency comes up. Okay, fine, things happen. Let's pause until you can pay me because <laughs> things things happen and I get that, but like it's a pause until I'm paid. That's just, that's just how it should go. So yes, be transparent, be clear you know, and make sure that they completely understand and you have in writing, guys, in writing. Yes, this is a conversation. We're talking about your, you know, your interview when you're interviewing the client, but this is stuff that you need to follow up in writing. All of the budget, the payment terms needs to be in writing and signed by all all parties and that sort of thing. So please make sure that that's clear because we don't want you to have to struggle. We don't want you to have clients that don't do what they're, they need to do. Um, it takes all kinds, as my grandma used to say about people when people were acting up because she didn't like to be rude about people. (laughs) She didn't like to be rude about people. So she would just say like, she'd hear some, she'd hear some mess and she'd just be like, it takes all kinds. 
So yes, it takes all kinds. Some people Truly are messy. So. I'm about to take this into 2024 with me. Shout out to grandma. Shout out. <laughs> That's yes. great. Yes. Um, the other thing to be very clear on up front is your process. <laughs> so this yeah. is another piece where people sometimes muddy the waters a little bit because they feel like they have some type of secret sauce or that like it should be um, vague or that people should just trust you. And that may work for some people. I definitely know people who do business who don't talk about anything that they do. They're just like, trust me, it'll work out. And people give them money and that's fine. That's not for everybody. I definitely would never give anybody that money. Like I just, no, please put your processes down and write them down on paper. Like you don't have to go into like, I go to this place to go look for inspiration. Right. You don't have to I be like, I go to create coffee <laughs> order an iced matcha. I put money on my sun pass. <laughs> I got in the car. Like you don't have to do any of that. But however, you do need to be specific about milestones about when deliverables with you if you are doing digital services especially um physical ones when to expect things what is the last time that a change could be made um yes that's a big one if you are using digital services and you're using any resources that require licensing you need to have that information up front so if you're utilizing custom fonts or fonts that come from a type foundry you need to make sure that you're writing that stuff down into your process that you are because guess who has to buy license for those type of cases your client your license is not good enough i know people think that and it's a big thing in the design world to just make logos and give people brand kits with typefaces that are premium from a type foundry those people can sue your client um and then your client will turn around and sue you so make sure that you have information same thing with stock images any premium resources that require a type of license please look at the license that you have and make sure that it is properly fit to utilize and make sure you put that information in your proposal or whatever it is that you're creating to craft in these conversations because that could be a make or break for some people because some people are like hey, I don't want to deal with that actually that sounds terrible um or if you use the illustrate like if you work with other people like make sure you have all the information up front so that way people don't want to get through a project this happens a lot of time with websites that a lot of time web developers use web designers and illustrators to make like custom stuff then they get halfway through the project project is late and they're like what's going on well my designer what designer <laughs> what do you mean? Who is that? Like, it's not you designing it. Be as transparent as possible up front so that way you're not running into these issues because those things can create problems. Whereas if I knew up front that you had a designer and then your designer gets hit by a car and like, then it's expected. It's fine. It is what it is. We'll just pivot and find somebody else to help fill in the interim um, together as a process. But then it doesn't become like, oh, you were doing something shady and underhanded. So just try to be as transparent as possible. Again, you don't have to sell any proprietary information. If you have a system that you work with, that type of stuff. But just being upfront about things that will impact the client at the end of the project is important. Or time, like I said, timeline to deadlines. But yeah. you know that you don't respond to emails on weekends. Don't text me, even though you have my phone number. Like that's a imagine big one. I think like let people me. know, yeah, when communication will happen because I think that's like people are constantly reaching out to be like they just want updates. They just want to know what's going on, and that's yeah. that's and all like, feedback is available when you get a deliverable. You have two days to get back mm -hmm. to me with your feedback, and you know within that you are now delaying the project, and I will prompt you for feedback. But if you are not providing feedback in a timely manner, you will delay the project. It will be on your end, and you will not that but that's up front they know that it's all in my it's all in my spiel in my stuff so yeah. that way they know this is when we're share, having conversations you're gonna end up saying it eight thousand times if right. you don't share it in the beginning exactly. like you're gonna you're gonna have to keep repeating it so it's like why not make sure of course again this is another thing that you want to give them written down but 
when you're having that interview, it makes sense to go over these and explain them and make sure that they're clear on them. Um, cause yeah, it, it, it really, I think the communication one is huge. That's such a huge one. Like, and again, this is something that is, it is really a hundred percent it's for you because at the end of the day, do you want somebody reaching out to you all hours of the night and all this? Cause that's, that's what people will do. Like, I can't even tell you like in real estate, it's a completely different world. It's a completely different ball game, but you know, I still set boundaries with the clients because I've been doing this for a long time and I'm not going to have you calling me at 1130 at night. And that is a hundred percent what people in real estate will do. Like they will call you in the middle of the night and act like it's Did you see this house just went up? I really think it's a good fit. We would love to put an offer in tomorrow. It's 1145, Bethany. I don't care. And it'll be like, it's, it's not like you might think that like some people might think like, oh, well, it's always people in different time zones. And yes, we do people in different time zones. And that can be a thing that we need to like address with them, but it's not even typically it is that, but it's also not, it's people that are down the street from where we live that are writing to us at 1145. Um, and about things that are not dire. Cause obviously any situation that would be like, if someone's going to lose a deposit or this, of course we're going to, you know, <clears throat> a lot of times we're working at that time anyways, to be clear, but it's more about the boundary of like, I don't need, I don't really need to talk to you after, you know, seven o'clock. Um, and with my consulting clients, I don't need to talk to them after five. So we have different, there's different boundaries in different, you know, in different industries for sure. Like they're not all going to be the same, but you really need to set yours because if not, when you're working on these projects, when you're freelancing for people, it's going to be, you're going to hear from some people around the clock. And you also need to let them know where to communicate with you because people will call, text, DM, Facebook message. (laughs) They will add you on Snapchat. Everywhere (laughs) that you can think of. And they will be contacting you in 500 different places. And so number one, one problem with this is just that for me, I don't know about other people, but for me, it is absolutely overwhelming. Like it is incredibly stressful. That's going to make my cortisol spike. But number two is then you don't really have a clear area where all the communications with this um, particular client is. And so, so you, you might say, hmm, and like yeah, well, we need to reference something. If it's not then like say in your email, but instead it's in a text message and you don't remember was that in a text? Was that in a DM? Like, and you're searching these things out and it's just very, not very efficient. And then third, what if there are, you never know, there could be legal things that could happen and you might need to, uh, use some of your communications in, in a court or in some sort of legal situation. To me, that's just always better to have emails in that case. Yeah. To the emails are having a closed um, project management system where everything is in, again, one spot where it's identifiably this person and they'll be doing X, Y, Z, and they'll only communicate with you there. I think that's also worked very well for a lot of people just because some people say, oh, I'm so mad with email. Well, then you can log into this other system and utilize it, but we will not be talking outside of the two places. Like, do not allow people to text you about updates unless that is the way you converse. And I know some people have businesses where they have to, have, like it's on location, they have to be text or call, whatever. That's totally fine as well. But make sure you're saving those communications somewhere. You're screenshotting it. You're putting it in Google Drive. You're putting it updated somewhere, OneDrive, whatever your storage of choice is. But you need to make sure that all communication is put and documented somewhere for both of you to see, by the way. Have it available for both of them. It doesn't have to be a secret. Like, it could be a shared folder. Like, hey, this is where all our comps are going. I know we text each other, but I just want you to know I'm putting all the comps here so that 
again, anything happens, or there needs to be another point of contact. It doesn't have to be a negative thing. A lot of times some people may leave a business or a company, they're no longer the point of contact, and the people who take over are like, I didn't even know you we were working with you, and then it's easy for somebody else to just jump in and kind of help manage the project to close out. Yes, 100%. So last but not least is following up and expressing gratitude for your potential client's time. Um, Again, it's kind of one of these situations, you're interviewing them, they're also interviewing you, you're trying to see if you're a good fit. So letting them know after the interview, you know, even if they haven't decided yet, or you, you know, even if they have decided, either way, sending up either a follow-up email or even like a snail mail, a personalized card, depending on, you know, your brand and your systems and what works best for you. Um, And just thank them for, you know, their time and, you know, the opportunity to discuss the project. And you can kind of reiterate some of the parts that you are most looking forward to about the project, uh, what you're most looking forward to working on, you know, either definitely or potentially. Um, So it's just kind of that, you know, I think any interaction that you're having professionally, it's, it's typically good uh, to kind of follow up and, you know, just express gratitude. You can never really go wrong with that. Yeah. Thank yous are, you know, very important. Again, write them down in emails and the email. Just thank you for your time. Also, if you have any follow-up questions, feel free to reach out here. This is kind of the time to snip things up in a butt. And I know this is where things seem to die because a lot of times there are other decision makers involved and other stakeholders who are involved in making decisions here. Do not get discouraged if you do not hear back immediately. Set time to reminders, schedule some emails to follow up and like say, hey, if so-and-so doesn't respond, send an email in three to five business days and just follow up with, hey, it's so great to meet with you. Just checking in to make sure everything is okay. How do you feel? Da, da, da. Because a lot of times people do go through these big pride. I know it's like, so you're waiting on bated breath. You're waiting for the yes. You're waiting for the check next minute. And that's not how it always works. A lot of times it's multiple weeks, multiple days, going back and forth and making some adjustments or edits. Or again, like not hearing from somebody for a month. Then all of a sudden, a month later, they're like, oh, hey, yeah, actually I went to Bora Bora. I'm ready to start. You know, wild things like that will happen. So just be prepared for anything to happen, but you are responsible for following up. Do not wait for somebody else to follow up on you. You are the follow-up person, and make sure, like Christmas said, that you're expressing that gratitude for that time period that they did meet with you anyway. Yes, so if you have any other questions about interviewing potential clients, you know, if you have any questions, comments, anything you want to add, reach out to us. Let us know. We'd love to hear about it. Um, We understand that this can be the first few times you do it, it can feel like a really overwhelming process, but I promise like you'll get into the groove of this. So kind of, you know, I hope you were taking notes today. If you weren't go back, kind of write out like the head of each section. And then again, you're going to customize it for your business and then eventually like for your potential client. And once you've done like a few of them, they just really flow really well. And I actually love them. Um, here's, here's my thing. And again, I don't know, maybe, maybe you'll agree for me. If I go into one of these and I'm feeling excited, then I know it's going to be a good fit. And it's like, I I just love it. Cause yeah, I'm like excited to work with like a new person and like, I'm excited what we're going to work on. Now, if I go into this sort of thing and I am already feeling apprehensive, (laughs) I think for me at this point, like I already know, like it's not going to be a good fit. Now, again, this is after I've done it for a long, long time. I used to be nervous all the time, but now I'm just kind of like, Ooh, if it's like something I'm excited about, I'm like, I'm over the moon. I'm like, this is going to be so fun. And then if it's, mm, if it's not, then I, the vibes are not vibing. And to me, they're not, they're literally like, 
I can tell before the interview, but I'll typically do it anyways, just because, you know, it's good to like make that connection. And sometimes I learn a lot about the business. I still made a good connection and then I'll connect them to someone else who I think will be a better fit. Right. So I think that people will find that as they, as they do more and more of these is like, you'll kind of, you kind of know ahead of time. Exactly. And again, it's all like everything in life. What more repetition comes ease of being able to do these and with more with more time and you being in your industry, whatever it is that you're doing, you'll be able to update these, make them more efficient and get them done. You'll be able to train other people on them. Like there's just so many benefits of being able to consistently do this. So again, I always say pitch to as many people as possible who are again good fits. Like don't pitch to like someone who doesn't fit your industry, but try to get that practice in as well because this is beneficial for you. Even if they say no, no is the worst thing they can say. Ta-da! Right. You said no. Okay, great. Right. I can move on. Like Even that's it. Is not is not that serious, guys. Like it doesn't mean you failed. It doesn't mean anything. It's not a bad reflection of you. Uh, it's sometimes it's the best thing that could happen to you, right? Like you're, you're probably being protected from a situation that is not going to be a great fit for you. But yeah, it's like, if, if someone says no, like it's not the end of the world just means like, okay, you guys weren't the right fit. Not everybody's going to be the right fit. That just frees you up to work with like the brands and the businesses or the people that are going to be a really good fit for you. And that's where you're going to enjoy your work more anyways. Exactly. So as always, feel free to leave us a little review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening to podcasts. That is how other people find us and that's how other people understand that we've come back from our eyes. Yes. And also, I know we still have not fully emerged out of our social media hiatus. We are working on that this week. But if you're on social media, um, you know, just use hashtag boss so hard. We still love seeing what you are up to. Uh, I still search it from my like from my Charisma O'Keefe Instagram. So but we'll be back on our Heart and Hustle podcast Instagram this week. So definitely check us out there. Interact with us there. We have not been active on that um, that Instagram for a while. So social media has actually changed so much since we were active on there last. So we're going to be doing things a bit differently on there. So definitely come and, you know, check it out and give us feedback. Let us know what you think because we love interacting with you guys. And sometimes you guys are quiet and I would like you to talk to us. (laughs) You're there. You're listening. We see the numbers. So I'm like, talk to us. Let's be in community. I don't want to talk either. I get it. But please say something. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Well, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.